0: Now that we're finally seeing a little bit of spring weather, I think it's time to get outside. But if you are planning on pulling out your hiking boots and hitting the trails, there's a few extra things you should really keep an eye on this spring. Like there's still a lot of snow up in the mountains. Today on CityCast Portland, Norther Emily of Wild Solitude Guiding is here with a few tips on places to check out, and some advice to make sure that you don't accidentally end up spending a night in the woods. I'm John Natariani, in for Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Norther, thanks for coming back on the show. Welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So we've been coming off of what was a really wet spring over the last couple months, and I understand there's still a huge amount of snow up in the mountains, right? What are the conditions looking like up there?
1: Yeah, so uh, this year was really unprecedented, um, both in terms of the amount of snow that we got and also the amount of low elevation snow that we got, uh, especially going like later into the spring. Um, In the coast range right now, there is still some snow above 2000 feet, which is not typical. And especially in the densely planted timber areas, we're going to see that snow stick around for quite a while. On Mount Hood, it's above 3,000 feet. Um, On the east side of Mount Hood, maybe up to like 3,500 feet. I have heard that once you hit snow line, that the snow is very deep. So there's not like a transitional range where you can kind of like play around a little bit and then head back.
0: Yeah. And so what sort of problems would that create for people? If somebody's strapping on their boots, looking to go out for a hike, what's the danger of that much snow?
1: Yeah, so late season snow um, is basically just a sheet of ice most of the time. Oh, so you're great, definitely yeah. going to experience traction issues trying to walk across it. Um, trails will be obscured, obviously, and the snow is so deep that you'll be postholing in many places.
0: And real quick, what do you, what do you mean by postholing?
1: Um, that's just when your like leg goes like way into the snow. So instead of like sitting oh. up on the surface, you're like your whole leg goes down into the ground. And then you have to do those like kind of giant awkward steps to, to get to the next step. Um, it's very athletic. And you can definitely like pull some muscles you're probably not used to. Oh, my
0: gosh. Yeah. And, and people can get lost too, right? Like that's the big concern, isn't it?
1: People can get lost. Um, the big mistake that people make when they hike across snow without a plan is that they end up relying really heavily like on the GPS app on their phone that they're using. And mm-hmm. even if you put your phone in airplane mode, if you have it open and the screen is on the whole time, you're not going to get more than a couple of hours out of that. So people will hike up across this sheet of ice, essentially, where you're not leaving any tracks or or any trace of your path. And then they realize halfway up that their phone is about to die, and they don't really have any plan for how they can navigate back.
0: Oh, my gosh. And I guess on a normal day, you're on one of these trails, you can sort of see where the trail is, so you know whether you're on or off for the most part. But if you're just on a sheet of snow, you don't have that visual aid.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Sometimes uh, if you're on a more um, popular trail or kind of like a more well-established trail, uh, especially on Mount Hood, you might see blazes on trees that Mm -hmm. can give you kind of a clue, but uh, not very many of the trails are like that. And it would really probably just be limited to Mount Hood maybe in the gorge a little bit.
0: Yeah. And you've seen people getting lost in these conditions, haven't you?
1: I have. uh, Last year on the 4th of July weekend, I found some lost hikers on the edge of Indian heaven. They had um, done the same thing that I just described. They had gone up into the woods, not planning to hike on snow. They were not dressed for the snow. They were not prepared to be in the snow. And so they followed the trail using their phone to guide them. And once you get up into Indian heaven, like, that is just a chain of meadows with no visibility at all. And it Mm -hmm. looks the same in every direction. It's an incredibly scary place to get lost. Um, It was really cloudy that weekend, so they had no visibility. They couldn't even orient towards the sun.
0: Oh, my gosh. So you think about getting lost, and you normally imagine you're, like, deep in the woods and surrounded by trees. But you're saying if you're out in a meadow, it's actually way easier to get confused?
1: Well, it... In that particular area, there's just a lot of like kind of medium sized like subalpine trees and, and little meadows and lakes. And it's just that it looks the same in every direction and you oh. don't have any like line of sight. And there also aren't any high points to climb where you could like climb up a little ways and kind of orient yourself. So I honestly, I can't think of a place that I would least like to be lost more than the Indian heaven wilderness. There's also a ton of bears out there. <laughs> it's not a good deal.
0: So what happened with these people who got lost out there?
1: So they they were um, this really sweet couple. It was their like 33rd wedding anniversary. And they were in really good shape, which was a um, definitely a plus for them. They had gone and hiked up into the meadows. They were going to do a loop, which even if you decide you really want to hike on snow this year, please do not do a loop hike because you're more likely to get lost in that situation So they realized when they got up into the meadows that they were going to run out of cell phone service and that it was also getting dark. They were able to notify search and rescue before their phone died. They had five teams looking for them, plus a drone and a helicopter. They ended up sleeping underneath a tree and they happened to come across me uh, taking a nap in my car at the end of an abandoned road many (laughs) miles from where anybody else had any business. Um, On the completely opposite side of the wilderness from where they started. So when I explained to them where they were, when I showed them on a map, they were shocked. So most people are not prepared to hike three times further than they have planned and sleep outside unsheltered and underdressed. Um, overnight with no food at all.
0: But if they do, they might run into you just (laughs) chilling in your van in the woods. If they get really lucky.
1: Yeah, if they get really (laughs) lucky, they might find me taking my morning nap. Um, Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, now that we have terrified everybody from going out into the wilderness at all, uh, (laughs) if somebody does want to go for a hike this spring and not end up lost in a snowfield, what should they do? What should they be looking at?
1: Um, So if you go to our website, we have a page called Trip Planning Resources, and that can link you to all kinds of digital resources and maps that can help you estimate the snow level in your area, send you to the ODOT trip cameras, which are a great, like, just a beginner level place to start. There's a bunch of other types of resources, but it's important to understand that, like, a lot of these are estimates based on Snow measurement sites that are in the Cascade Range. Mm -hmm. None of these resources are accurate for the coast range. They just look at what's happening in the Cascades and guess.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So some of these higher elevation spots, lots of tree cover. Yeah. Could be a bunch of snow. Watch out. But hopefully we can take a little bit of the guesswork out of the equation. Uh, Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, let's check out a few places that people should go. What are some of the places that are actually really nice in the springtime? Like generally, what sort of places should people be looking at?
1: So in the coast range, you're probably safe as long as your route is starting and staying below 2000 feet. So like the Wilson River Trail is a really good one. Um, Out at the coast, my favorite coast hike is the Bay Ocean Spit. Um, that's a beautiful hike that is really varied and uh, great for kids.
0: Let's go through these and sort of work yeah. from the coast back inland. Tell us where that is and what's so special about it at this time of year.
1: The Bay Ocean Spit is a, a really cool little peninsula that goes out onto the on the southern edge of the Tillamook Bay. It's just kind of like this really pretty, like, meadowy area with a forest inland. There's some um, interesting rock formations. It's really beautiful. There's also like a herd of elk that come down and uh, hang out in the meadow at sunset. Um, great place to forage. That's somewhere that I would take pretty much anybody that I know, whether it's like my children or an older family member or like a friend who is not in good shape. But it's also somewhere that I go a lot to.
0: So it's a little bit more low impact. You're not going to be necessarily killing yourself on this hike.
1: Nope, dead flat. But you can walk a long ways. You can walk all the way um, you know, to Cape Mears from there if you want mm-hmm. to. And it's part of the Oregon Coast Trail. So you can go all the way to California if you desire.
0: If, if, if you've got a lot of extra time and a lot of motivation. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, a little bit further inland You just almost scared me from going to the Tillamook Forest at all with (laughs) with these snow forecasts. But you're saying the Wilson River Trail is actually a good spot right now. Why is that one clear? And what's it like?
1: Um, So that's a little bit higher in elevation. um, But the Wilson River Trail, like starting at the footbridge, is a great hike. Um, It's kind of cool, too. You get to go over this neat little bridge. And there are several waterfalls near the start of the hike. Um, and there are other waterfalls that you'll pass along the way. It's just kind of a nice ramble up and down. Um, it's a quite quite a long trail. I think it's like 20 miles or 30 miles or something. And there there is a quite a bit of up and down. You do go over some mountains and stuff, but you can definitely just take like a little segment and do a nice day hike. Um, a lot of people, when they think of wildflower hikes in the spring, are thinking about hikes in uh, the Mid-Columbia Gorge. Like dog mountain and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. Um, but there are a lot of really beautiful wildflowers in the coast range, and it's um, very—it's a little shadier. It's definitely never crowded, and Mm -hmm. yeah, it's right now everything is growing, and it's just very like lush and green and beautiful. It's the best time of year to go to the coast range,
0: I think. Oh my gosh, yeah, and especially with the spring that we've had where. Okay, we had, we had a couple nice days, but it still felt very wet and rainy in the city. The idea yeah. of getting out into a flower meadow just sounds so amazing.
1: Yeah, beware the false spring. Don't get your oh. hopes up.
0: I was going to say, let's flip over to the other side of the city, yeah. out to the east, uh, taking a look at the Dalles Mountain Ranch Trail.
1: This is um, just across the river from the Dalles in Washington State. I like this area, especially because you you kind of drive up into the meadows. So if you have like younger children with you or whatever that are not actually that excited about hiking, you can still get into the meadows and kind of like enjoy that nature experience without there being like a physical toll required. But you can mm-hmm. also get like definitely a, a workout out there if you need to.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so what's the view look like from up there?
1: Um, Those are just like open rolling meadows and hills, um, lots of flowers. It's really pretty. Um, I've heard recently that there is not a lot of, um, that that the flowers have started, but they're not at their peak yet.
0: So we still got a couple weeks for the peak of wildfire season or wildfire season. Hopefully a long time before the peak of wildfire season.
1: Still Still a few
0: weeks before the peak of wildflower season. Hopefully
1: all the snow that we got will um, prevent us from having a really nasty fire season this year.
0: Do you think that's the case? I've heard some people sort of hoping for that. Have we gotten to the point in the season where we can actually really hope for that? Or is it all just going to dry out and catch on fire again what do you think tell us something good
1: (laughs) to be honest i do think that just like last year at some point we're going to take a hard right turn into summer and Mm -hmm. get some more of those like punishingly hot days that we don't really enjoy or appreciate but um so it's hard to say i know that there is like one fire that is still considered not contained um Actually, it's it's the Southern Washington Cascades and Goat Rocks. I think that fire still is burning underground.
0: Oh my gosh, which
1: is terrifying. I mean, most of the state got over one hundred and fifty percent of its snowpack, uh, up to two hundred percent in like in the desert, even, which is mm. desperately needed. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. Well, with all this snow out there, do you have a forecast on when it might melt? Like, could we see some of this snow stick around all summer?
1: In the uh, in the Coast range, I think we'll see the snow disappear over the next month, probably. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little, maybe patches will linger in some heavily timbered areas, but I think we're seeing the last of it now in the coast range. Uh, As far as the Cascades, places like the Timberline Trail around Mount Hood are probably going to have snow into Mm mid-July. This would be a really good time to put a pair of sunglasses in your first aid kit in your Uh backpack because crossing a late season snowfield will blind you.
0: One of the worst sunburns I ever got was when I was um, hiking up Mount St. Helens and I wore shorts. Oh, oh <laughs> and no. I didn't think to put sunscreen on my lower legs. Oh, and no. I just got, just turned into a lobster from the light reflecting back up on them. So. Yeah. Beware.
1: Yeah. Alpine sun is no joke. Ugh. Even when it's cloudy.
0: Well, thank you, Norther, And um, we'll have to have you back in a couple yeah. of months. Talk about the next season and where people should be going.
1: Great. I'd love to. Thank you so much.
0: And now for your microdose of news. Political heads across Oregon are still spinning after the second-highest state-elected official abruptly resigned yesterday. Secretary of State Shamia Fagan oversaw elections and audits and was widely viewed as a future candidate for governor. But she didn't survive a week of swirling scandals about her $10,000-a-month contract with a troubled cannabis company. No word yet on who Governor Tina Kotek is appointing to serve out her term. And another New Seasons is coming to the west side. A second Hillsboro location of the locally founded chain is opening in 2025. They're taking over a spot that previously had been a Home Depot. Meanwhile, workers at the Hawthorne location in Portland voted to join the growing New Seasons labor union last week. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend about it, rate us, or leave us a review. I'm John Natariani, in for Claudia Mezza. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.